So I think it's kind of a, it's weird that we watched Disney's Robin Hood last week and I was saying how my favorite part of that movie was the uh, rainy day when everyone's uh, in jail. Cause now it's like that. That's what today's like. <laughs> like when I was walking over here, it's like had that little song in my head. Every town has its up and down. And man, I thought though, cause it was raining. I'm like, oh, well this would be nice though. At least I can walk through the park and not have mosquitoes, but nah. They don't care about the rain, they're still Well, and then speaking, and we, we talked about The Jungle Book quite a bit last week. I watched the original movie of The Jungle Book that was made in 19... It was either 1935 or 1953. Now I can't remember. It's <laughs> a pretty big difference. <laughs> I think it was probably 53. Right. And there was this boy named Sabu, the actor, who, who was in it. It was probably 53. But excellent. And... Uh, had a whole storyline that was was beyond that um, that Disney. Well, I presume world. there was no talking animals in the movie. Uh, no, no. He t could talk to he could talk to the animals and they would respond right. to him. But no, they just talked in their own their own voices. But he understood what they were saying. But it was it was really quite a nice little movie. Yeah, I've never seen that one. They also made a Jungle Book in the uh, 2010s that was surprisingly good, too. And it was the first time that uh, I realized computer graphics had gotten this good that I, I went to the theater and I watched it in the theater. And the whole time, I just assumed that they took some poor 10-year-old actor and took him out to the fucking jungle <laughs> and filmed this movie. But then I found out later that it was all, like, that blue screen, green screen stuff. So they would just have, like... a like the log he was on or the the branch was real and everything else the whole rest of the jungle was computer and i didn't i didn't know they tricked me i'm like holy fuck computers are good now but that's how they did it and i'm like that makes a lot more sense you don't want to take this poor kid into the woods if you don't have to but it was good too it was i think john favreau directed it. this one that i saw was filmed in you know pakistan or india or someplace like that yeah i mean it's supposed to be india right the yeah. kid is supposed to be from india yeah. But it was one of those countries, and it was really cute at the beginning. They had the little baby. He leaves home. He he just wanders off, and they can never find him. And he goes off into the woods, and uh, the wolf pack uh, pick up with him, and he starts playing. They've got little puppies, and he's just a small little baby that they're using. He might be, he might be two years old. He if he, I don't even think he's two years old. He looks like he's about eighteen months old, just able to walk and can't really talk. Um, but he meets up with them and they take him in and he starts playing with the puppies and then he's tired and he lays down and he goes to sleep <laughs> and that's how that that's how it starts and then they move into the future when he's about 10 years old nice yeah i mean it's weird it's like it's like, like a, a real cute little baby just a sweet the sweetest little thing and of course the village is all looking for him and looking everywhere for him and they never find him but he's he's just this little guy he just he just goes meandering off and somehow he ends up with this troop of, of wolves and baby wolves that's weird i wonder if i mean between like the old movie and the cartoon and the 2010s one like maybe the jungle book has never been adapted poorly <laughs> that'd be weird right <laughs> it's like the one thing that just always is good i don't know i'm sure if i dug into it there's probably a bad version somewhere but that's kind of that's neat that's interesting because the the book's pretty good too it's like a lot more uh, random. It's not as much about Mowgli. It is about the whole jungle, but but it's also good. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but yes, yeah, since we watched Robin Hood last week, and you were mentioning uh, 
the Robin Hood show that you watched as a kid. So we thought we would pull some of that up, The Adventures of Robin Hood, that uh, ran from 1955 to 1959, 143 half-hour episodes. And uh, this turned out to be a lot more interesting than I expected. Like, I never know when I look up stuff. Sometimes there's just no, no information, and uh, sometimes there's weird, interesting stuff. So in this case, it starred Richard Green, as you mentioned, as the outlaw Robin Hood, Alan Wheatley as his nemesis, the Sheriff of Nottingham. So what happened here... It was interesting, too, just the way the article was laid out. It didn't fully explain this until after. So there's this producer named Hannah Weinstein, who she approached some British financiers to make this show. And she had Richard Green in mind already to star. And the intention was to uh, make it in England, because it's Robin Hood and you want British actors and stuff, but then to sell it back to the American market, which was way more lucrative. So in order to do that, British shows only had uh they didn't they weren't like brought to you by they weren't allowed to do that in england and they only had one ad break in the middle where of course america was like brought to you by crisco and a bunch of ads so they sneakily made this british show with these parts where it would just fade to black and fade back in and if you were a british viewer you just think that was the style but that was where you would put the commercial in (laughs) for the american version so it's like that's pretty clever tricky and uh and it totally worked it uh was an immediate hit on both sides of the atlantic and it led to all these other shows it led to the commissioning immediately of four other series the adventures of sir lancelot the buccaneers sword of freedom and the four just men and then the success of those inspired other historic drama series like the adventures of william tell sir francis drake the adventures of the scarlet pimpernel and the count of monte cristo so uh it couldn't have gone better. Just everything went great. And they made a feature film called The Sword of Sherwood Forest that Hammer Films made in 1960, since we did a Hammer thing, which also had Richard Green as Robin Hood, but Peter Cushing as the Sheriff of Nottingham. So it all worked out extremely well. But it's like, what a strange thing to do. Like, what gave Hannah Weinstein this idea to try to... Like, why would an American producer try to make a show in England and back sell it to America like it was Swear apparently woman. well apparently a yeah, genius genius <laughs> plan but but it is like what what was the spark like that's too that's like too much of a lateral theory or idea you know like it just it just doesn't quite add up like what do you mean why did she do that what's going on so then as I read deeper the reason why she did that is because this series was explicitly created by Weinstein so that she could enable the commissioning of scripts by blacklisted American writers. So if you got blacklisted with McCarthyism and you yes. couldn't work in Hollywood, she just hired people from that list and used pseudonyms so that if any executives in America started digging too deep, they wouldn't even realize it was those people and just got them work over in England. So it's double genius, but that's why. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, she obviously was a smart cookie, but... That's such an abstract plan and such a weird thing because she put her own money into this plan. Like, you really got to... It's not just something you would just think to do. So that made a lot of sense when I read why and pretty fucking genius. Like, if, you, if you're going to fuck us over in America, we'll just sneakily go over to England, use some pseudonyms, we'll just keep working, and then we'll sell it right back to you and make it into this huge big thing. 
So that's a great example like doing this podcast, looking up these shows. Sometimes there's not a lot and sometimes there's a story like that that it's like, how come no one's made a movie about that? Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these movies about these weird things in history that people yeah, did. Yeah, especially about the McCarthyism and, yeah. and communism and how those actors were mistreated and uh, misinterpreted and all of this. But you're right. Yeah, that would make a fabulous story. Yeah. About, uh, you know, I'll put the screws to you boys. Yeah, like if I were somehow a producer, as soon as I heard that story, I'd be like, green lighted, make it. Why the hell not? Like, you know, <laughs> at the very least, I'd make like a great Netflix movie or something, because what a, what a weird thing. And that it worked so incredibly. And it's probably for the best of the show anyway. If you make a Robin Hood show based in England, nothing could be better than making it through the BBC or through the British system, right? But the whole thing is she couldn't have known that it would have worked. Right, as, yeah, yeah. the way it did. That was like a lucky bonus. There, there had to have been, which would make a, a, a fabulous movie or whatever. There had to be all kinds of angst. Uh, you know, am I screwing myself here? Do I have enough money to keep doing this stuff? And, and, and am I just? Is it a pipe dream? Or maybe even, I mean, I have no idea about her and her personality, but maybe even just righteous indignation, just rage at this system. Yeah. You know, like and to like push it doesn't you to matter. Do I'm going for it. Yeah. Like, I mean, what? If, yeah, it's got all the makings of a great story. Yeah. So yeah, so that's always nice because yeah, I'm just reading about the show and like it was made blah blah blah, and then it just got more and more strange and more interesting, and then it's like holy shit, <laughs> like that's like a bomb of like what the hell, like I never heard about this. And isn't it great that it came out so well at the end? Because yeah. there's no way when she started down that road that she would have known what was at the end of it. Yeah, like that list of all the other shows, like, you know, I think those first four were made by the same production company and then that second batch were like everyone else jumping on the bandwagon. Like, yeah, that's a fucking successful show. (laughs) You can't argue with that. And just so neat, even if it was just that for some reason she had the wherewithal to think to make a British show for the American market and sneak in those commercial breaks, like that's neat enough. And then when you find out it's to get the blacklisted writers so that they can keep working, sneakily it's like that's double awesome that's that's cool yeah that is cool that is cool and and what a nice what a nice story to say well you know what whatever your name mccarthy is can you remember his first name um joe i think yeah joe yeah you know he's over there and he's just screwing up people's lives front left and center and here's some woman who yeah she really put the screws to that. Yeah, yeah, I always Great. find love it. And that whole that whole time is so strange because I mean I probably have a, a skewed view of it because my main window into that time in history was just reading Ayn Rand biographies because I was so into her books, and you know she came from this horrible communist Russian situation that was just the worst, and then it's just so she's like couldn't believe it that people in America thought communism was cool. It's like, what is wrong with you people? Like, do you want to destroy your own country? What is, like, this philosophy is horrible. It's going to ruin everything. And I, I'm on her side. However, the McCarthyism stuff, I mean, is like as bad, if not worse. Like, yeah, I guess you're trying to stop the tide of this communism stuff, but in the worst way. Like, just everyone sucks in that situation. There's no one who was, like, had... Because I, I don't think the... I think the people that were pushing for communism in America didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. But then the people that were against them were awful. So, yeah. So, I mean, hey, if you can, yeah, just, just like, skirt that whole system. 
Why not? <laughs> kudos. Yeah. Kudos. Uh, so then the other thing, because the uh, sort of idea was that we would uh, watch the show from your childhood and the show from my childhood. But the show from my childhood really sucks. Rocket Robin Hood. So I looked it up a little. And the reason, because it was always a... Uh, such a drag when it came on TV. It's like, geez, even though I'm a kid and I love cartoons, like, I gotta sit through fucking Rocket Robin Hood. And when I looked into it, it makes sense why it was so bad. It was not even from the 80s. It was from the late 60s. And it was a Canadian production. So it was already out of date by the time I was watching it. And Canadian everything is low budget and shitty. So, and it's also, I thought it was a half hour, or a 10 minute show. It's a whole half hour. So I've got one. So I've got two episodes of uh, Adventures of Robin Hood. I found the pilot and one from season four, a few episodes before the show wrapped up. So we'll do the start and end of Adventures of Robin Hood. But then in the middle, I don't know if we'll watch the entire Rocket Robin Hood. Maybe I'll just show you a few minutes just to get a sense of it because I don't even want to watch it. I never <laughs> liked it. It just seems to fit with what we're doing. But yeah, then as I was reading about Adventures of Robin Hood from the 50s, it's like a million times more interesting. <laughs> so fuck Rock and Robin Hood, but well, I did grab Let's see then if, if the show stands up. Yeah. I have high hopes for it. So yeah, if anyone is watching along at home, so I've got The Adventures of Robin Hood, the pilot, which is called The Coming of Robin Hood from 1955, and then season four, episode 25, Double Trouble, and the first episode of Rocket Robin Hood, which uh, don't bother. <laughs> And this is like a friendly giant, right? Early one morning, that's what that? That's early one morning. That's yeah. the, yeah. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, with his band of men. Cheered by the bad, loved by the good Robin Hood. So I guess that's the first thing I'll bring up is that between these two episodes, we took a quick little drive out to uh, go grab some groceries and stuff and I think we both had that freaking Robin Hood song <laughs> stuck in our heads <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, it's a real earwig. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it's interesting to watch two episodes of these. I'm glad that I could find multiples just to see how things progressed because uh, the first episode was like really good, really well done and uh, way more brutal <laughs> than I expected. Like, what was it they were going to do to that the, the guy that caught the woods. his eyes, cut off his ears, cut off his fingers. Yeah, just leave him in the woods to yeah. die. <laughs> yeah, for, for killing the king's stag. Yeah, and lots of mentions of, uh, yeah, like killing and hanging and uh, cut a man's ear off. And uh, I think it didn't, uh, the Rumpel's character, Rumpel was the guy who uh, he uh, illegally, <laughs> illegally inherited Robin Hood's estate. And he like just takes an arrow to the heart. <laughs> like a lot of brutal stuff for 1955. But then you can see in that season four episode, I kind of feel like at this point, they must have really have settled into the American market and uh, sponsors yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I think that's 1959. I think I just saw the thing on there. Yeah, that was season four. So that would have been 59 yes. for that final episode. And it was much softer. <laughs> like, I think they definitely took the harsh British edges off of the show. But it might be worthwhile looking at it, another one. To see, because I think that they use that formula of occasionally having a lighthearted show. Right. Um, they wouldn't all have been light, light like that. I think that was just that. 
that TV formula of the day. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So the first one was Robin comes back and you know everything is fucked and uh, he he uh, you know has to go connect with the outlaws, live in the woods. It was like a, a a serious thing, like a real real thing. Come back from the Crusades and everything. And uh, then that season four episode, it was uh, that Friar Tuck has a miraculously identical twin brother, exactly identical, because, of course, it's the same actor. And it was kind of nice for 1959. I was a little impressed. That scene where the two friars talk to each other looked pretty good (laughs) and pretty good camera trickery and stuff. But yeah, just just really much sillier of just like, uh, you know, just just (laughs) where it's like, what you don't like this type of food but fryer tuck always eats that food oh you don't know this but fryer tuck always blah 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 and it's like they're obviously obviously just messing with them and i just kept thinking like this is why i never could have been a tv writer back then like like i just want to push it like what do you mean you don't like eating dog poop fryer tuck loves to eat dog poop and he'd be like oh i suppose he does you know like how far can you push this fucking imposter fryer but overall, even though that second one was much sillier, that is overall, it's a really good show. I'm, I'm pretty impressed by it. Yeah, well, I liked it as a kid. I thought it was one of the best shows out there. Yeah, I mean, definitely, just quality-wise, yeah. Like, and I remember, don't remember a whole lot of uh, humor shows like that. That's why I'm saying that's part of the formula of TV drama, is that you'll have intent shows, but occasionally they throw in one of those lighthearted, um, you know, just funny little things that... I actually, the way I, I thought it was going to go is uh, because when the evil twin brother first takes over as Fire Tuck and uh, he's kind of short with everybody and like, you leave me alone because I'm in over my head and I don't know how to do this. But then everyone's like, no, but we need your fryer for this and that and whatever. And I thought it was going to be that he would uh, see the uh, the power of what his good brother brings to the community and have a change of heart. But no, they nah, just... Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I thought they would probably have to break into... Nottingham jail and get the friar released. I thought we'd at least see that much drama, but no, it was very light. <laughs> yeah, because that was again too. I mean, I guess that's the thing too with pilots. Also, I guess you really want to pull out all the stops to make sure the show gets made. But the the pilot had like sword fights and all kinds of action. Where uh, that one, the season four episode, was just just a lot of talking, <laughs> a lot of standing around and talking and making the fake friar uncomfortable. But I guess we never can tell either. Like, you never can be sure how it's going to go. Like, in that case, the pilot was way better. But then we've had other shows we watch where you can tell in the early episode they don't have it together yet, and then later on the show gets better. So you never know. And again, yeah, just that just happened by happenstance to be the latest or the the, the deepest in the run episode I could find. But yeah, maybe maybe it was an unusual one. Because it also was making me think a lot of uh, Star Trek, you know, of just like, I feel like every show has to at some point have the evil version of the characters, right? Where you just take the same character, <laughs> the same actor, I mean. Yeah, but see, there's an example of what I'm saying is the formula. Star Trek has got some very serious message type shows, but then they occasionally throw in one of these little lighthearted jokey type things that you're thinking, man, that's kind of lame. Bonanza is another one that's like that, like the intensity of the family. But every once in a while, they throw in one of these kind of just jokey ones. That's so that sort of was TV formula of the day. I don't know that they do. They don't seem to do any real good dramas like that nowadays. So it's hard to say if they still follow that same formula. Yeah, I think the difference nowadays is it's not so much 
week-to-week episodes. Shows nowadays more tend to be one big long yeah, storyline. Yeah, an episodic storyline. Right. Yeah. So there's not like a specifically, you can't take a week out to do something different because every week connects to the next week, which... I mean, I think I kind of like the old style better of like each episode being a little bit contained because I find with modern shows, since everything is a cliffhanger waiting for next episode and then the end of the season is just the cliffhanger for the next season, it just feels like nothing ever happens in modern shows. They really tread water a lot. Where at least back in the olden days for, you know, whether it was a good episode or a bad episode, at least in each episode, there's a something that happens which is kind of nice and the and the story ends like each story is its own little story so when it's the adventures of robin hood yes it's that was his adventure this week and next week it's an entirely different adventure and then uh we didn't watch the entire rocket robin hood i just showed you a couple minutes of it but yeah like that show (laughs) (laughs) and just yeah like even just seeing it again because i just remembered as a kid it would be uh, disappointing. It's hard for a cartoon to be disappointing when you're a kid, but that was one of those ones that it's like... Now, I oh, noticed the Sheriff of Nottingham in the fourth season of Robin Hood is not the same actor. Wasn't it? Maybe, maybe you're right. No, yeah, that is definitely not the same actor who's in the original. It could, because that's the that's the Sheriff of Nottingham that I remember. Right. Yeah, who knows with that pilot. Yeah, it could be, could be a lot of differences. I definitely noticed he had a different haircut because he had that, that same haircut I mentioned that Rumpel's character had where... When you've got those really short, straight bangs, that's yeah. you're a bad guy. You're a dick. You're a rich asshole. <laughs> but the asshole. original one in the pilot, his his is kind of combed back, and he's got a little yeah. pointy beard right. and a little a little uh, like a, he almost looks French. Well, I guess he is. He's Norman, right? He's got the little little mustache and the little <laughs> like the the anonymous character, you know, the mask. Um, yeah, he's got that little mustache and the little beard, the little pointy beard. Right. Yeah, the Guy Fox thing. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm glad uh, I'm glad we watched it just because it was, you know, definitely uh, uh, higher quality than a lot of the shows of the era. And again, just that story from the start, the, the production of this show was, man, that's interesting. And I mean, you could, I guess if you really wanted to tie things in, like the fact that they're, they're circumventing the system to keep... And like, I don't know how best to describe it. Like the, the way that Robin Hood has got his merry band of outlaws in the woods so that he can circumvent the system. That's kind of what they did in real life with the show. <laughs> they took their merry band and into the Shearwood Forest of the UK television production, <laughs> you know, so they could sneakily keep working outside of the, uh, you know, in this case, the McCarthyism is uh, Prince John and his no good unfair taxes, you know. <laughs> like you could make those, those... Uh, that they're kind of like the real-life Robin Hood gang, which is... Well, it was a real good show when it was made, and I think it's held up after all these years. It certainly has held up, and I would recommend anybody, especially from your generation who has never seen it, probably never even heard of it, should check it out. It was yeah, and good it, early television. And yeah, we were saying at the start how there's a whole bunch of versions of the Jungle Book that are all coincidentally happen to be pretty good. Where I wouldn't necessarily say that about Robin Hood, because like, there's like that Kevin Costner Robin Hood. I guess there was when I was researching this actually, there is a British Robin Hood show from 2006. So I have no idea if that's any good or not. But but like high quality Robin Hood does not jump to mind <laughs> in general. So yeah, I'd say it's uh, especially for the era, because yeah, like I was telling you as we were in between episodes. This is so early still in TV that the debut of this show in England is different for each region 
of England because those ITV stations that uh, you know spread across England were still spreading as this show came out. So when this show started, you could only see it in like London, and then by the end, you could see it in most of England. And they, that's how early it was. And yeah, very very high quality production for those days for sure. Cool. So Rob's from the rich gives to the poor. Fuck, that's Mr. Morgan. Mr. Morgan. <laughs> That's the that's where it's like a double earworm is like the song gets stuck in your head, but then the Monty Python words get stuck feared. in your head. It's feared by the okay, riding to the feared by the bad, loved by the good. Okay, Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Robin Hood.